0: Welcome to the Yak Sports Podcast with Joe Deck and Leland McRae.
1: Welcome to another episode of the Yak Sports Podcast. I'm Leland McRae. Joe Deck is with me like always. We're excited for this podcast because we have the return of Matt Hatfield, who always comes on early in the VHSL playoffs and basically predicts the whole thing and and has more knowledge on what people prefer to have for dinner uh, than we do of the teams in our own area. So uh, get excited about that segment. That will be in the B block after we uh, talk about the local stuff here to Augusta County, but Joe, let's start it. We have a state champion returning state champion back in Augusta County Stewart's draft competition cheer, Tammy Carter and the gang. They get back to a state championship and they've won their fourth in five years uh, last year, Came up short because they took less teams and, and they lost the region. But four and five years, they win, and just an incredible run that they're on with uh, competitive cheer there in Stewart's draft.
0: Yeah, they are. I mean, that's a, you know, as much credit as we give the Riverheads football team for their dynasty, you know, that's a dynasty in competition cheer there for Stewart's draft in class two. They winning four and five. And, you know, it was kind of cool because I was in Richmond for, uh, Stuff that's going on with the women's basketball season coming up, and I happened to be right across the street from the Seagull Center, and got to see you know Stewart's Draft, got to see the Augusta County school bus, you know, letting kids off <laughs> at the uh, at the ramp there in VCU, and I was like, oh, I know these guys, so uh, that was awesome that they got to win, and you know, was following along with Patrick Heights coverage there uh, over the weekend, and you know, congrats to them and being able to win that state championship. That's so exciting for those kids I'm sure to just obviously, you know, like any other sport in high school, you know, those girls put in a lot of hard work and to see their dreams come true, winning yet another state championship there is awesome. But we also had some other teams do very well in the state as well. Riverheads, they have to compete with class two and class one. They end up sixth.
1: Yeah. And Fort Defiance finishing sixth there in class three. Going back to Stuart draft, though, I wanted to make the point they got better. <laughs> they they yeah. did their first round, and then they performed two points better. So I really liked that quote in the paper um, from coach uh, from Coach uh, Carter. Uh, sorry, I knew I knew Tammy when she was before she was a Carter. Um, <laughs> that they, they, they had performed their best at the biggest moment, and you you always have to commend a team for that that they they didn't leave anything on the table was the, the phrase she used, which I think works perfect there that, you know, there wasn't a man, if we just did it like this, like we know we could have, uh, they did, they did their best and, and, and they won because of it. So I, I love that for them to have a couple seniors there and uh, Kaylee Freeman and Aaron Fitzgerald that were the senior captains. They, they're going to finish their high school career with three state championships. And, it, you know, I, I think our local fans, we're, we're going to talk about football next. We talk about Riverheads and all these state championships they mount up like this, this kind of run, even four and five years, that doesn't happen a lot. You watch, you look around the state, and you see this, you don't see that all the time. You see you what know, like Grundy wrestling, and you, and you see what Appomattox is doing in football too, but you just don't see a whole lot of this. Right now we have a, a couple, but you look over the years of the VHSL competitions, it, it just it happens so rarely compared to how many different sports are competing and how many kids are involved. So it's really something to be commended and and absolutely wanted to lead off the show with the state championship, coming back to Augusta County.
0: Yeah, as we should. Every time somebody wins a state championship, that should be the yeah, lead on, be first. on this podcast. So congrats to them. So
1: moving on to football, where we've seen some state championship trips with our local teams. Let's talk about the games that happened last week before we really dig into the playoffs. We have a lot of teams in the playoffs. So we have a lot to talk about there. But I think talking about that Riverheads draft game is important because in all honesty, the last few years, we've seen that kind of be the last time Riverheads is really tested is, is that season finale with Stewart's draft that decides the district title. And, and they were tested early in this football game where Stewart's draft's defense was performing well against Riverheads. But, you know, Riverheads went into the locker room again for the second time this season playing Stewart's draft, made halftime adjustments. And, I think they scored every time they got the ball after that, or, or a bunch of times in a row, four times in a row after that, um, and didn't give up near that much. And it was just Riverhead's game,
0: um, you know, during the third quarter on. Yeah, I was going to say, about midway in that third quarter, Stuart Strap stopped scoring, and Riverhead's didn't. So that was the difference. Uh, we saw Riverhead's tie it up on their first possession, but then immediately Caden Cook-Cash scores a touchdown to put – then back ahead draft scores on that, well, that Bert, following Bert drive
1: scored that, that next one. And then Caden could cash. Oh, you're right. One. So are right. you right, like right. Back to back, like two minutes apart and just took off from there.
0: Yeah. And then it was a missed extra point, uh, which kind of stopped the scoring there for Stewart's draft. And it just kind of fell apart. Um, go ahead. C- Caden. I mean, Caden could cash. I, you know, I think
1: we do this with these Riverheads running backs that, they're so good, you feel like it's just piling on if you just keep talking about them. But this is the this is probably the hardest game he plays all year. Lord, botas that was tough too. But you know, this is one of the this is the defense that knows how to attack Riverhead's offense. And here he shows up with 251 yards, three touchdowns, two touchdowns or 60 yards plus uh, on defense. He's all over the place. Nearly has an interception there, but still making plays all over the place. And when you just look at that head-to-head battle between. Triple C and Aaron Nice, and Aaron Nice is a great running back, and his effort in this game doesn't lessen any of that. But he was held to 11 carries, 36 yards, no touchdowns. He scored multiple touchdowns against every other team he's played this year except the two games against Riverheads. I, I just take that as a big compliment to what Caden Cook-Cash is able to do, that in these biggest moments, in these hardest games, it seems like he's even better. You, when you when they're playing a 56-7 to game, yeah, he might have a touchdown in 120 yards, but here's the hardest game, and that's when he goes 250 at three.
0: Yeah. Um, just to play devil's advocate, you're not wrong. Just to play devil's advocate, Aaron Nice doesn't have two other top tier running backs in the backfield for defenses to worry about.
2: And yeah, even I, though I mean, Stewart's
0: that... draft has a passing game that I would say. Has the potential with Graber only being a freshman, has the potential to be better than even Riverhead's passing game that we've seen so far this season. It's not there yet. So I would say Caden Cook Cash has a lot more weapons on offense that defenses have, you know, defensive coordinators struggle at night sleeping, trying to think about how they're going to stop. Uh, (laughs)
1: And reinforcing that point is Chip Grable on the radio. Yeah. When when Luke Bryant gets the football saying Caden Cook Cash, because they look similar and yeah. they're both running fast and, and nothing against Luke at all. But Kane Kukash is a sophomore and I, I think slightly better. Um, but yeah, I'm not, I'd I hate to put a kid down though. I don't mean that way, but, I mean, they have these multiple running backs that on any given team that they would be on, they would be the man, the star player. Cole Burton is another one like that. Aiden Miller would be a star at a lot of other, and he's splitting some times to get these other guys in the field. Like, they just have that stable of running backs that are able to, to pick up yards. I mean, Riverhead's worst running back that gets first string carries, he's averaging seven yards a carry. Like, right. that's that's the worst one. So it's it's just, yeah, I agree with you that you know, when Riverheads can't get something somewhere, they're gonna find it somewhere else. And when they're stopping Cole Burton early in that game, then that's when they're getting these yards off the off tackle that that are so great. And yeah, it, it was it was a good offensive effort, obviously, and we're talking offenses for both teams, but the defensive effort from Riverheads something that stood out to me and I'm sure there was specific plays that go in the face of this, but it seemed like Riverheads did really well on third down of limiting yards, not just you know, getting a stop on third down and getting dropped off the field. Uh, it was to the degree they did that. They didn't give up yards on third down. It seemed like it seems so many times here's a big third down play. And not only did they just like not give up the first down on third down, they stopped him from gaining a yard. So now Riverheads or excuse me, Stewart's draft has to bring the punter out. There's I guess four Stewart's punts at crucial moments. It seemed like all those punts were kind of at moments where you know, it's momentum changing. And so that's where I really it kind of just came back to me after I was thinking about the game after it happened was Riverhead's just really dominant on third down, getting the stops really when they needed. I'm sure there was some curtain versions. I, I don't have the stats, like underneath my nose right now. But it just I felt that uh, coming out from the game.
0: Yeah, I got it. Um, Riverheads was six of eight on third down. Draft yeah. was seven of thirteen. Oh uh, for two that's on fourth down. That's a difference in a game with two good teams. Yeah, oh yeah. for two on fourth down. So. Yeah, and that hurts. Uh, both teams, when they got in the red zone, scored. But just looking at stats while I'm reading them off. But I'll, unfortunately for I'll, Stewart's draft, you weren't in the red zone a whole lot. So it, it comes back to our point. Like, Riverheads plays really well. Um, one of those touchdowns, though, and I just – it didn't play an impact in the final outcome of the game but I'm going to get to something yeah, do it. now. I have seen twice officials not know how to officiate a dead ball foul. One was in the Buffalo Gap game, and that was against... That was against Riverheads, wasn't it? Or was that draft?
1: No, it was
0: draft. It, it was draft. Against Riverheads. Yep. Buffalo Gap against draft, where there's a dead ball foul, and they end up saying... There was a penalty on the offense, and then there was a dead ball personal foul on the defense. And then they said, "Um, no, it wasn't against Waynesboro.
1: There was something crazy with officials in Waynesboro. Okay.
0: Oh, then, well, maybe it was. I don't know. I know Buffalo Gap played. I don't know who their opponent was. But anyway, the officials, (laughs) the important part is the officials with a penalty during the play and then a dead ball foul say, oh, well, they offset, replay the down, which is incorrect. And obviously, if you've ever watched football, you know that. These officials didn't. They're the only people in Augusta County who don't. And maybe we had the same officials doing this game, which if we did, that's a shame if these are the best officials in Augusta County because they are the worst officials in the state. There's
1: and and no here, it was, here it was not canceling out a penalty. It was a play happened. There's holding. It should be marched back from there. So before any other penalties called, Riverheads should be behind the chains. It's first, They call a personal, a personal foul on some verbal stuff against Riverheads. So then it should be 15 more yards behind that. And they mark it off correctly. I think, you know, close enough on the field, you know, I didn't have a problem with the spot. yeah. But then all of a sudden without it's, this wasn't, you know, imposed by coach Casto or somebody making comment, the officials on their own decide, Hey, move the chains back here. You know, it's first and 10 for Riverheads way back here, which is absolutely incorrect. And as much of a Riverheads Homer as I, know that i am immediately i'm like this is completely wrong to steward's draft and i i i give coach floyd credit for not absolutely losing his mind over there picking up benches and throwing them on the field because that's what i that's what i feel like i would do if i was in that spot like there would be projectiles people would be in danger i would be embarrassed i would have to apologize after like that would be what happened so credit to coach floyd but it was unbelievable that at that point in that football game, they're down two scores, but, they're, but they, they need to stop against Riverheads. And if they're getting that stop right there because Riverheads has first in a mile because their offense is built like that and they can get that stop, they, they didn't after that because the next play went to the end zone. But that –
0: is a huge deal right there. And so, yeah. And I know Riverheads fans are saying, well, we scored on the next play, So it doesn't really matter, but that was a very distracting moment. The kids knew the call was wrong. So they're not, they're like, what the heck is going on? It should be first in like 30, not first in 10. You have coach Floyd, who's not really, and I'm sure the assistant coaches up there too, are like, what the heck is happening? They're trying to figure out what's going on in the field. Not really looking at like, Hey, this is what we're looking at here. Tell signal down. To the field, watch out for this. So it, it is a distraction. All because these bozos don't know the simplest part of a dead ball foul. I, I can't for the life of me. And honestly, you're right. Because if I was Coach Floyd, I would have gotten a 15-yard penalty being like, what's the worst that happens? It's first and 10. That's what they're trying but, to do right now.
1: <laughs> the quote that I had. Uh, over the weekend, which was a funny exchange, was uh, I said, if I was in that situation, I would strip naked in fury. And the comment I got back wh- from was, well, I'm glad you weren't in that position. And that was from my wife. So yeah, that was, yeah. <laughs> like, I,
0: I, was I was, I would have gone absolutely ballistic. I, mean, I just, I don't understand. Like, I don't understand how the officials were like, okay, it's first in 19. Okay, now it's the personal foul and it's first in 10. How does that make sense? How How does it make sense? I would love for the official to be able to explain that. And you know what, our, our good friend Patrick, maybe he can find out who the officials were and ask him that question, because I would just love to know what the officials were it's, thinking. I, I want to know official, what they were thinking. Oh, yeah, the same it, official was trying to call an ineligible man downfield he on a run play. He clearly hit his head. It,
1: like, and I played it off on radio that he was itching his head or something, because it didn't make any sense. It was a run play. and it, like, But I'm looking at what the referee's doing, he's patting his head, and it's like, I think they just made up a different penalty to apply, because
0: that guy is an idiot, and I I think he was just trying to keep his He was probably going. the guy who told him to move the chains. I mean, I'm telling probably. you. And someone on, the, someone on the official staff, not one, not one of them knew. Uh, guys, that's no. They played, the, they played the
1: down. It was first and 10.
0: Yeah, it was first 10. and 10. I was just like, how has someone not stepped in and been like, uh, look, guys, that's not, that's not how this works? That's not how any of this works. Also, congratulations. Uh, we're not going to pay you. This was volunteer because <laughs> you didn't do your job. You didn't really officiate, so we're not really going to pay you. Unless they paid him in Monopoly money. I would have been totally fine with (laughs) the AD at Riverheads paying the officials in Monopoly money after that game. They were horrific. I hope they don't get any playoff games. God help us if they do. If those are some of the best officials in the state of Virginia, they might as well fire all of them and start over. Luckily, in this game,
1: there was enough. I liked this game. as Obviously, from a Riverheads homerism, I liked it, but... It was a very contended game early and I thought it showed drafts a very good football team, but Riverheads is better. And, and so I was satisfied with that. It wasn't just Riverheads coming out and blowing them out of the, out of the building. I, I like Riverheads to be tested and and be ready for teams that are want to test them. I, I mean, they're not going to get tested after that, but you know, I like, I don't mind it at some point, the streak's going to lose. I'm not going to, I cry like, that's, Swartz should have
0: Leland will. Other Don't. teams
1: winning at some point. I just, it's hard to imagine right now with how dominant they've been. It's just hard to imagine them losing. But hey, maybe it happens before we expect it. But I Don't just,
0: believe Leland when he says he's not going to cry when the streak ends. He's going to cry. I know him. He'll cry. <laughs> Big old tears <laughs> on the air. But um,
1: <laughs> I didn't cry when they lost that state championship to Galax. I'm not going to cry when this winning streak
0: ends. You were close to cry when they lost to Stanton that one year. <laughs> um, I was quiet. I was quiet. <laughs> <laughs> he was holding in the tears. He was crying me. on the That inside. one did
1: surprise me. I didn't believe in Stanton before that game. And then I did, and for good reason. And they oh, went yeah. on to the state championship game. Mm-hmm. Like, that, that was what woke me up to how good that group of athletes was at Stanton. And Jaden Williams and, and all of them. They, they were
0: a really good team. And uh, I just didn't, hadn't recognized that quite to that point. Right. But to most of the officials that we do call games for, Thank you. I know it's a hard job, and you guys do very admiral, admirable <laughs> success with your job oh, that you're doing. Joe. But these guys, these guys, no. These guys should be paid a Monopoly money. They're the, the, they're the worst. They should never be allowed back on a football field Hope, wearing stripes. Hopeless. Unless Not they're in, you know, drops. the only time they should be wearing stripes is going to jail, because that was a crime, what they did. That was terrible. Um, there it is. Waynesboro, Waynes- Waynes- my Waynes- little Waynes- Giants. Come through again. They beat the Broadway Gobblers. And you know what? I wanted them to put up a 50 burger there on the tailgate show. But I got a ha- hats off to Coach Jarvis. He did it in the most painful way for Broadway. I love that they were up 14. <laughs> they let Broadway come back. Obviously, and I know what a lot, I know you typed in here just before that terrible play when the high snap happens on 18 seconds that gave Broadway the ball at the 26th. That was part of the plan, Leland. Coach Jarvis <laughs> drew it up. If Broadway hadn't recovered that, it would have messed them up. Broadway might have won had they not recovered that football at the 26 yard line <laughs> with 18 seconds left. But they didn't. Waynesboro lets them score and then stops them on the two-point conversion to rip their heart out, like just like in Indiana Jones, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Or no, that's the Temple of the Doom, I think. Yeah, Temple of Doom where they rip out the guy's heart uh great job by waynesboro and in all seriousness uh congratulations to them getting back in the playoffs this program has come so far in just two years and they absolutely made it the most difficult way to make the playoffs yeah. on them because they had to win their last three ball games and they did
1: yeah it's been quite the swing of a program for the last 20 years they were good and they had some good in the 90s then they were down for quite a while in the early 2000s but they had that four-year stretch uh, that ended around 2017, where where they were good, and it started a year they were a 16 seed, just barely slid in the playoffs, and then they beat the number one seed when they had those 16-team mm-hmm. side uh, sectionals. Yeah, they that run was great, and then they dropped off the face of the earth again, and have been terrible. And here they are back this time, getting, getting good quick, and I, I absolutely love it. Um, I, I I'm going to talk about more of them in a minute. I am super happy with what they've accomplished. What, whatever happens next happens. Five and five is absolutely great. And I expect better next year. I expect them to be better. Yes. Wilson
0: Memorial, Noah Campbell. Yeah, <laughs> Noah Campbell's back and they won 46 to 13 they dominated. Yeah. They are going to the playoffs. And unfortunately, that means Stanton is out.
1: And then Buffalo Gap—they beat up on Fort Defiance. They took care of business. Uh, they scored three times on with their punt uh, block team. They blocked two punts with Yoder picking both of those up and taking them to the house. They and then they had a punt Wilson return too. touchdown with Alfin. So uh, just the punt team alone uh, was winning in football games. Much less you know a Bryce Hildebrand 80-yard touchdown to add on to that. So Gap took care of business. So that means we have season over for Stanton. They were three and seven. Coach Phillips there in his third season. Um, you know, I talked about them in the preseason and I was, I I guess my quote was, I was worried about them that I I was, I was worried about what they would do this year. Them winning those first two games kind of got me off that. But, but then from then on, I, my worry was there and why I was worried showed and, uh, you know, a three and seven season, you know, maybe I was worried they were going to be two and eight. So maybe they're one game better than I really was worried about them, but I just didn't like how it happened. I, I just didn't like I didn't like that they weren't competitive. Like, if they didn't win, they weren't competitive. I, I didn't enjoy that for that team. I, th- I thought they'd be further along now. So I think they have a lot to build on. I like that they have Darby coming back next year um, at the quarterback position. Um, and I, I think they have a lot of pieces on defense coming back. I know Peyton Dunn um, is, you know, he's going to be all district again. And, and there's other ones. I, they're going to have a lot of talent back. So uh, I'm, I don't want to be worried about them next year, but I expect better out of them next year. And uh, we'll see if they're able to do it.
0: Yep. Uh, Coach Phillips is going to be looking to obviously build off this. I mean, that was part of the conversation yeah. with young team there in Stanton. So he'll be looking to build off their three and seven record and, and truthfully, one game out of the playoffs.
1: Yeah, they were right there. I mean,
0: if they had it's beat the Wilson. benefit of playing a lot of
1: good teams and yeah. playing a lot of and teams that have wins, but you're there, you're there. Right. Um, um that kind of might also explain why they're not in a lot of the games they don't win but if we're they're finished one and eight that's coach Ross' 13th season uh he has a 33 percent winning percentage over those uh 13 years for a team for a program with dale spitzer as coach that were what they were in the 90s always competitive i mean we're not talking deep playoff runs but getting to the playoffs um some special seasons here and there um it's just been a long run of of negative here and six of the eight last eight season have been zero or one win seasons. And I, I mean, the only winning, the last winning season they had was 2012. Um, They were five and five in two seasons there in the last eight, Um, but they didn't get them to the playoffs. I mean, they haven't been in the playoffs in in forever. So I, I just, I, I like coach Roth. I like what he does there. I just, I wish that community could compete a little bit better. I'm not saying go win a state championship tomorrow, but, you know, you see Wilson come down into class three and right there, they're in the playoffs. And, and last in last spring, they were would have been in the playoffs. if They had a normal playoffs and here was Stanton. That was one game out. I just, I don't see why Fort can't get to that level. I don't see why they have to be zero or one win. It just seems like they should be at least three or four wins. That's my opinion. Yeah. I don't want to, I don't have much (laughs) to say on that. Um, All right, so coming up, the playoffs. We have plenty of teams in the playoffs. Uh, Riverheads, Buffalo Gap, they both get buys because they are the one and the two seed in uh, 1B. Uh, 17th straight year in the playoffs for Riverheads, eighth straight year in the playoffs for Buffalo Gap. Uh, Riverheads is waiting on the Sussex Central, William Campbell winner, and Buffalo Gap is waiting on the Central, Lunenburg, Surrey winner. I expect both higher seeds to win those games. So Buffalo Gap will have a home game next week. And we assume that only Central Lunenburg and Riverheads all the home game.
0: And we assume that to be Sussex Central. So since Riverheads and Buffalo Gap both have buys, if Surrey were to upset Central Lunenburg, would they don't Surrey? Oh, they don't reseed. No. Okay. So it is straight a straight bracket. bracket. Okay. Yep. That was my question. It's a bracket
1: because we've seen that other years, but yeah, that, that's a bracket. Um, so that's what I would expect to see. So moving quickly to that, we'll talk about them plenty next week uh, in the games that they'll have coming up. Stuart Straff, that's where radio will be this week. Chip and I will be there. You'll be off uh, you, you know, competing against us for people's attention because I, I assume everybody's just going to go to ESPN Plus and tune into the Joe Deck Show or uh, VCU Women's Basketball. Excuse me. I, I'm getting those mixed up.
0: It's definitely VCU Women's Basketball. I <laughs> I... Not in my house.
1: In my house, people are waiting to watch Joe on TV.
0: <laughs> I am lucky enough to get to call it, but it is definitely v c u basketball in their season heck. opener.
1: I know you don't
0: approach it that way, yeah,
1: uh, but Stuart Strath they have loray, so this is the game. hey, we've talked all season about Lorray and Stuart Strath because they never awarded that forfeit all year until about last week, and here we're going to finally get to see it and uh LeRay comes in very one dimensional I think they've only thrown for like two hundred and some yards on the season nice. uh so, I mean, their quarterback's number is 44, so that, and it's, it's, I think it's that Jenkins' younger brother. So this is a very one-dimensional team going up against the Stewart's Draft defense. Um, That's, it's an interesting game. I think there's a lot of storylines. I just don't think by the third quarter, it's going to be as interesting.
0: No. (laughs) LeRae being one-dimensional and playing a Stewart's Draft team that, uh, outside of Riverheads, can stop the run. Yikes. <laughs>
1: mm. And I mean, Loras lost five straight. They had they were four and zero, and then they had COVID, and they were out for like a month. And they made up most of those games, not the draft one. That's why there was the forfeit. But they've zero and five in those games, including last week's loss to Madison. Both these teams coming off losses, but Loras losses to Madison. So, uh, who, I, I, yeah, I just think this is all draft. I, I, I honestly thinking about Stewart's draft. Their defense this season, I I wouldn't say, is as strong as it's been the last two years. Um, So I I don't think that hurts them here. But as we move through the playoffs, that's going to be in my mind, uh, maybe in a region championship, but most likely in a state semifinal.
0: Yeah, I would agree with you there. Um, And sometimes, you know, when you look at mascots, you know, some people, when they go into their tournament brackets, pick based on the mascot. This would be one you could do that. I, I would imagine if you had a Bulldog and a Cougar run into each other, it would not end well for the Bulldog. And um,
1: That little fat thing, getting, yeah, he'd
0: just be torn apart. Yeah, uh, I think the Cougars will feast on LeRae. Waynesboro,
1: with that big win, gets into the playoff as the seven seed. I got to tell you this. <laughs> now we're talking three C. I have my Every year I have my playoff stuff ready. This year hit me different because we got the – results friday night i'm sitting there doing my math i put it in my computer that's ready and the key to that is doing it the week before so you can kind of find any of the holes you have so you do your stat you do your weekly points on week 10 and so then when they come out for real if you have any mistakes you can fix them i was pretty clean but okay so then we get to week 11 here we go i think i'm right i put it out there on twitter on the exports twitter wilson's in just like i said and i was i was a little off in my description i was assuming rustburg was going to lose to brookville as they did but only seven nothing but that was a qualifier that i didn't put out there on friday during the day so i was a little nervous about that wilson gets in and but i or i think they're in i post that i wake up saturday morning in like a sweat like I hope I'm right. I hope I haven't done something horribly wrong. I hope there's not all these Wilson players. Oh, we're in the playoffs because Twitter tells us so, and then all of a sudden that be wrong. So I was nervous about that Saturday morning. Thank goodness I was right. Thanks goodness the Excel sheet was strong and ready to go. Oh, uh, so that I was, was my Saturday credit. morning. I've
0: been giving you a lot of a lot of grief on this podcast and on the radio, calling you a nerd <laughs> with your numbers and your good that math, fun. but obviously joking, but I, yeah, when you put that, when you've been putting them out, I don't doubt it. Like I do. I'm like Leland knows more about this formula than I ever could. I know that (laughs) first year we were looking and I was like, "Uh -uh. they don't win this game and they're not, that team's not going to make it. And, uh, you're going to leave the team out of it. (laughs) Yeah. But, um, but I was right then too. You were right then too. Yeah, so <laughs> it's um, it's always interesting how that shakes out. Now they also had a lot of riders help them out that last week, if I remember correctly about that. But it's whatever. They, they got in. They got, they got in. in. That's, that's what that's happens. The end of but it. yeah,
1: so Waynesboro's in at the seven seed, as I uh, predicted. Mm-hmm. Uh, they play Heritage, eight and two team. Their coach Brad Bradley. A lot of Riverheads fans will remember from his time at William Campbell and the battles that Riverheads and William Campbell had. Uh, he's been successful at Heritage. They've won a state championship there with him. They've been to more than just that one. Uh, this is Waynesboro's first uh, playoff since 2016. And uh, it's the end of a – was that was the end of the four-year run where they were good that started off with that big run that I was referencing. So uh, they are going to face each other. They'll be facing the winner of Brookville-Rockbridge after that. I – in this next game we'll talk about with Wilson. I don't think Wilson – has really a good chance. I I think Waynesboro battles in this game I'm not saying they win it I'm not sitting here saying Waynesboro goes and wins this ball game I just am not gonna be surprised when the scores come in on this game if if Waynesboro is in the second half and and still in this thing and I, it's just something something's going on there and I like it okay okay that's fine if yeah. I'm wrong, I mean I'm wrong. look I'm the just... biggest
0: Waynesboro fan on this podcast no <laughs> doubt but
1: I looked at the how LCA and Heritage and Brookville how they all played each other. I was looking at some. I just I think I think what Waynesboro does well here is can maybe make things happen. I think Barber's going to have a big game. Um, I hope I so. like what I like what uh, Blake did last week. Uh, you know, being the star of that game, being you know part of the four touchdowns, uh, running two in, throwing for two. I just I think they're in this ball game. I don't think it's an absolute blowout.
0: I think you might have forgotten just how not great the Valley District is. That's fine. Williamsboro better than all of them. (laughs) Yeah, they're not playing (laughs) a Valley District team. I I guess that's my point. I want
1: to say it out loud.
0: They're not playing a Valley District team. Yes, they would have won the Valley District had they been in it this year. They're not playing a Valley District team. They're playing a Seminole District team. And And to your point, we wouldn't be
1: picking a Valley District team to beat Heritage either. And and I'm not... I'm not, I'm not sitting here guaranteeing victory. I'm only just,
0: picking one Valley District team this week, and that's because they're playing another Valley District team.
1: <laughs> uh, let's talk about Wilson. They got into the playoffs there, sneaking in, beating Stanton, uh, had to hold off Rustberg and their riders there to get in. But we were right. They're in.
0: Yeah. They play LCA. This oh, is the team,
1: weak, I think, too. that just I, – I, I Wilson, I'm, I'm glad you made the playoffs from where we expected <laughs> you at the beginning of the season. We wanted you to make the playoffs. I expected you to be a hider seed in the playoffs than what you're going to end up being. And now you're going to get sacrificed because LCA is really good. They score a bunch of points every week and they don't give up many points every week. And so uh, Frank Rocco, the coach there, the interesting thing about this game with LCA and heritage, both in the playoffs, both wanting to play Friday night. I thought one of these games going to have to go to Saturday. No LCA is going to play their home game at Liberty at Williams stadium at on Liberty's campus where the, where the flames play. So that'll be, That'll be I think, cool for Wilson fans. Is that not where they play
0: most of the regular season I, games? I thought LCA played at, at City Stadium. Okay. I, I, you might be right. I could have sworn I've seen highlights where they're playing on Liberty Univ- at Williams if Stadium. If I'm but
1: wrong, okay. I, I, I'm way, not Wilson super confident in that, but yeah. Wilson gets to be part of playing on probably the best venue of the weekend uh, for all these Agreed? playoff teams. That, the that, site that, that was of like the, two th- the Class 3 and Class 4 State Championship. Over the past you, few the years, site of the 2000 class one state championship mm-hmm. uh, and class two where Riverheads won class one and um, uh, Heath Miller Went uh, s- lost the state championship right yeah. in the game, right before Riverheads played on that field. So yeah, it's a nice facility. It's been incredibly improved since the year 2000 as well. So that's cool for Wilson to get to go down there. I, I think LCA runs them. And, and some of that is because I think Wilson, I mean, they're not playing their best football right now. That's for sure. I think Waynesboro is, and I, and I don't think Wilson is. Um, so the winner of that game will get T.A. Broadway. And I want to talk about T.A. Broadway for a second. They played a two-overtime game a couple weeks ago. These are two teams that Waynesboro just beat. Who do you got?
0: I think it's going to be a good game. I think T.A. beats them this time around.
1: Oh, I'll take Broadway. I'll take Broadway. T.A. had them last time, too. I think Broadway overcomes it. I think Broadway – I'll take Broadway here.
0: No. you are head head-to-head. I like it. They dress up like Michigan.
1: <laughs> I Broadway was down fourteen in that game and came back. That was that was a heartbreaker, like you said. I was watching that that fourth quarter and I was, oh my goodness!
0: Ah, chef's kiss. You don't just <laughs> win; you rip their heart out.
1: All right, let's talk about volleyball. We still have two teams in it because we we doubt them. We did. We doubted Fort Defiance, and I think I, I
0: said I, on this podcast they're going to do it this time. Why not? I think I did say that. Sh-
1: sure i i maybe you said that the maybe they do it this time why not i don't take his, that to the bank i, I didn't i think i said Vegas. they're gonna
0: do it i think uh, we'll go back i'll go back and listen to it but i'm pretty sure i said much like waynesboro i said they're gonna beat broadway i said this time i
2: Ford definitely does it.
1: felt more confidence in your waynesboro pick than i than i uh, i had
2: more confidence in that Waynesboro you. pick. but yes
1: <laughs> well fort beat rockford swept them in that semifinal, yeah. and I I was upset that they had to play Rockbridge in the semifinal, but they took care of business down at Rockbridge. Loved it. Laney Goggin just kicking butt down there. Uh, so they swept Rockbridge. They did go on to the region final, lose to Rustburg, but they still get to move on to the state yes. uh, playoffs this weekend. On Saturday, they'll play, uh, I guess, the region D uh, champion. So that'll be fun. Uh, so Fort Defiance still rolling, 22-3 on the season. Sue Leonard has them. Playing well. I mean, beating Rockbridge, they got to be playing their best volleyball uh, that night. Uh, Maybe against Rustburg didn't work out as well. But uh, I'm eager to see what can happen there because maybe they got over a hump there. Yeah. Maybe they were still a little high when they played Rustburg. Maybe they can collect themselves this week and go on a little run here.
0: And beating Rockbridge, you know, kind of their equivalent of the Miracle on Ice They did lose in the (laughs) final to Rustburg, which normally you would be like, oh, that would be like Team USA then losing to Finland in the gold medal game. But unlike Team USA playing Finland in the gold medal game, it wasn't the gold medal game. It's just a game to determine seeding for a later tournament, the state tournament. Now Fort Defiance gets to hit the ground running. Hopefully they can upset the region D champ, go on to a hot streak, take out Rustburg in a round two matchup and then win a state championship. Riverhead
1: still in it. Amy Moore has them definitely playing their best volleyball at the right time of the season. They beat Buffalo gap in the semifinal sweeping them. They swept Alta Vista on Monday night to win region one B for the fourth year in a row. So they're back in the state tournament. They get to host a state game on Saturday at Riverheads per the provided schedule. Uh, they'll take on uh, Lancaster or Rappahannock, whoever loses that game. Uh, so, and that's where that's is where Riverheads has been these last uh, four years. Uh, you know, they, They've won the region. They've got to host uh, some late games. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful they can get over the hump. I just I know they get to Auburn and Patrick Henry teams these last few years and 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 have some problems. They they played those teams early in this season in a uh, weekend tournament. So I, I they know what it takes to beat them. They haven't been able to do that. You know, hey, maybe they can do it. I, I believe them this time they do it. Like that, that's the that's the yeah. call, right?
0: <laughs> that's what it is this time. Yeah, a little Giants you know, one out of 100.
1: Yeah. But Wilson and Gap seasons ended this week with losses to uh, Fort Defiance and Riverheads. But uh, good volleyball season again this year. Uh, and and I'm, I'm, a, I'm just, I really am, as much of a homer for Riverheads, I'm excited that Fort's still playing. I, I love that they got out of the region.
0: Yes, that's such a great accomplishment. And again, getting that win over Rockbridge, I'm sure that meant a lot to them. Now they just got to recalibrate and uh, get ready to make a state run. And like you said, for Riverheads, uh, they're used to getting to the state finals. Now they got to just get ready to win it this time. And I think you're right. I think 2021 is their year.
1: I think they're going to do it. That's it. That's it. Uh, Cross-country, Fort Defiance, just as how great they were in the district. And they were very good in the Region 2. The girls winning Region 3 seed. That's the first time in school history. Dave Stewart there coaching the girls' side of the cross-country um, very happy to have that. He's been a long time coach there since the eighties. So great to see him do that. Emma Staley, Abby Lane and Trinity Neft, the leaders there um, doing a great job. The boys, they finished fourth, so they don't get to go as a team, but they still are going to put three runners into the state final there. Uh, Ramsey Corbin, who, uh, who did so well in the district. He finished second in the region there. Sam Tindall, Parker Blosser, those guys all get to go. Um, and that's, uh, all these that we're going to talk about, all these state runs is going to be Saturday, uh, at Salem at green Hill. So that's coming up. Um, just moving quickly here through Stewart's draft. They get one runner. They don't have a whole team compete in two B, but they do have an individual runner. Andy gets to go to States cause he finished fifth. Um, so that's great coming out of Stewart's draft and then riverheads. The girls get to go to States cause they finished second in one B, uh, summer Wallace, Kelsey back, Peyton, Yole, Sierra back. They all get to be part of that team running. And then uh, the Gap girls had an individual, Olivia uh, Cavessi She gets to run as an individual. And then on the boys' side, the Buffalo Gap boys do get to run as a team at States with Ben Cromer, Dakota Humphreys, Blaine Atkins, Caleb Graham, Alex Duquette, all those guys finishing well. And then Riverheads, they have two individuals. They finished just behind Gap because Gap can finish third. They finished two points behind Buffalo Gap. Uh, that, uh, that shows the strength of uh, the athletes in this area, but Jackson Brammer, Levi Byer from Riverheads gets to go. So we have a lot of runners running on Saturday. That's why I wanted to throw it all together. Uh, but the guy that stands out, the guy that I think has a chance, uh guy or gal uh, across the board here, Ramsey Corbin. I know he finished second in that region, uh, but there, it seemed like there was hope that he might still be able to compete for that top spot at state. So, uh, that's my kind of number one rooting interest this weekend as they run that state uh, meet down there. I hope that Ramsey Corbin can kind of to kind of get there. I think we have a better chance to get particularly that individual than get any of these teams to uh, to win the state there. Yeah,
0: uh, I think and maybe right. I'm
1: on. Last time I said that, I think a track team won last uh, spring. Stewart's draft boys track won after I said the same comment that we wouldn't have a team win. So here's, uh, you know, Fort Defiance girls or someone's opportunity to prove me wrong.
0: Yeah, they have the opportunity to prove you wrong. But I, I do tend to agree with you.
1: All right. So we finished up another regular season of Shenandoah district play. So the standings are updated, and this is where they will hold until probably about February. And we have uh, Riverheads finishing first in football. And so they do move up ahead of Stewart's draft and Waynesboro, or I, I guess they passed Waynesboro in this. Um, So they are going to sit at third here for a while behind Fort Defiance, who has the one point lead on Wilson. And then Wilson sitting there uh, about eight points ahead of Riverheads. Um, So it goes Fort Wilson, Riverheads, draft, Waynesboro, Stanton and then Gap. But uh, Fort Defiance and Wilson have a a nice little lead there. And knowing the good sports they have coming up, it's it's going to it's going to take a run. It's going to take a Riverheads or draft probably kind of run to, to get one of those two teams out of there. And it's going to be hard.
0: It is going to be hard. Um, and usually Riverheads and draft have something to say during basketball season. Yeah. Usually they can get up there and, and, and be fighting And wrestling at Riverheads. Wrestling at Riverheads is, is, good, at Riverheads but, is very but good. So was
1: at Wilson too. Is the problem. Yeah. So <laughs> that's the problem
0: for Riverheads. Yeah. Wilson's pretty good at those sports for obviously last year's district champion. Bas- boys basketball. Wilson's usually a team that is up there competing as well. So it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough for sure. Yeah. And, uh, we'll just have to see how it all shakes out. I think, um Yeah, you know, just looking at the potential for basketball on the boys' side in particular, the Shenandoah district has – it was very open last year with a lot of parity, and I think it's kind of going to be that way again this year. I just don't I think do there's too. a team that leaps out as this team is miles better than everyone else. I mean, I, honestly, I could see four, potentially five, teams, depending on how good Stanton is this year uh, coming away with a Shenandoah district title.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the never count Stanton out mm-hmm. here aspect. And I think, I think you knew her to the area a couple of years ago, after they dropped off their state runs uh, you know, they, they weren't very good early in the season and you didn't have evidence to make you believe that they were going to be good. And I was like, it's Stanton, man, you can't count them out. And sure enough, at the end, they were in the mix because it's, it's just Stanton and they, no, I was right when they didn't sport.
0: win it last year when I said that, but yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, then you believed and then it, it bit you. Um, yeah, and and wrestling, Wilson and Riverheads, it, one of those two teams is going to win the district just like they have the last four years. Um, and then the track, I think, I honestly don't know the indoor track final standings the last couple of years, so I think that's the one that's going to surprise us, but we have a lot of solid track between stewards Draft uh, Riverheads has its history, uh, Wilson's ran well, obviously Fort Defiance has long distance runners. So I, I think, I, I don't know. I, I have no idea. I don't know if we're going to see teams get a further lead or if we're going to see things mixed up, but it's going to be
0: interesting in the Yak cup for sure. It will be. And that's why we have Patrick height on during that to make us sound smarter.
1: <laughs> so all those sports getting going, I know tryouts was starting today, uh, pretty much for all those sports. Uh, I was talking to the boys basketball coach at Riverheads the other day and he said, yeah, we're, We've, we're not planning on seeing some of these boys for a while because after five state, six straight trips to the state championship, it's just hard to plan for a different. They'll welcome them early if they come, but I know those guys are hoping that they can just go on and play for as long as they can anyway because it's good. So let's get out of here and go to the B block where we have Matt Hatfield, and we're going to ask him about every team in the state right now.
0: And we are back on the Yak Sports podcast. Matt Hatfield is joining us. And before we get into the high school football, which, you know, Matt Hatfield really kicked off the Yak Sports bump that we joke about on Twitter here recently. Uh, Matt Hatfield got announced to be the voice of ODU women's basketball. He's also filling in with some other ODU stuff. So, Matt, let's let you talk about that first before we get into the thing that's going to make us sound like idiots because you're going to talk about (laughs) our teams better than we will. (laughs)
2: <laughs> well, uh, first off, congrats to you, Joe, on your new position with uh, VCU as well. But, yeah, I got contacted in August. It actually was on my birthday if there was any interest in uh, right. the vacant Old Dominion women's basketball uh, play, play position. And I had never given her any thought whatsoever before. Um, told them sure and went through some meetings, series of, uh, you know, folks there at Old Dominion with ODU Sports Properties, and I was fortunate enough, blessed enough to be the one they chose. And uh, I've got my first, as we record this now, I've my first game coming up this week for the women, just did an exhibition uh, filling in for the Voice of the Monarchs Till Alexander with the men when they played Gannon University Division II School from Erie, Pennsylvania this past Saturday. It was neat. First time I've worked alongside a former NBA champion that I can recall, and uh, Dave Tordzik, who played on the uh, Portland Trailblazers, teams with uh, Bill Walton and uh, Lionel Hollins and some of those guys back in the late 70s under Dr. Jack. I've got a chance to interview some former champions in all different walks of sports, Bob Dandridge coming to mind and many others. But I uh, think get a chance to call one alongside Dave Torzik, who I've also done the call with for their game uh, at James Madison University this weekend on the men's side and then the trip to Myrtle Beach next week for a tournament. that will be pretty awesome and neat. So I'm uh, just very fortunate I got a trip to Texas for the women around Thanksgiving. So it'll be the first turkey day that i can recall being away from my folks and not here uh in virginia somewhere for a high school football region championship but i'll certainly be watching uh all these different games on the nfhs network and the various platforms through huddle and so forth staying afloat and abreast of what's going on
0: well again congrats to you um you know we and leland and i we joke about you know oh the exports bump you see you come on the podcast good things happen but really it's leland and i Having an having an eye for people that are smarter than we are and getting them on the podcast and to help us. So <laughs> thank you no, for listen, coming on again. There
2: must be there must be something to that. So I'm gonna I'm gonna hold you guys to it next year that somehow I get uh, some other type of situation and then I'll have to, I'll have to give you something in, in payback for that. So, all right, that go. sounds
0: good. <laughs> but thank you for coming <laughs> on. And uh, <laughs> I know Leland has already probably chewing his fingernails off because he can't wait to talk about this Class One bracket with you.
1: <laughs> so class one, uh, Riverheads, obviously the story in class one, they've won, uh, you know, the the five straight. They've been to the last six state championship games in class one. They played Gaelics a couple, couple times. They played Chalawi a couple times. Essex is from region A. You know, who, who gives Riverheads the best game the rest of the way here? Matt?
2: I don't know, Leland. I mean, I'm really worried about them in that semifinal game against the winner of Sussex Central, William Campbell. I play that a little bit facetiously. <laughs> now, now, no disrespect to Sussex Central, who's been in our top 10 on Virginia Preps and um, have had some close ball games that they've won this year. Got a veteran coach and coach Jefferson and William Campbell, who's had some prospects here in recent years, but have kind of been up and down. Uh, you know, Buffalo Gap in that region is a program that's had some success before in the playoffs. And I don't think they're a slouch, and I think that they've played a, a pretty decent schedule. There's a school coming down to class one this year that's been on the eyes of people. And and way back, I mean, going back to 2007, 2008, somewhere, they did beat Riverheads before. So I don't think they'll be totally blown off the field, but ultimately I don't think the Gladiators really see a uh, down-to-the-wire, tough type of game maybe until, dare we say, their state semi or state final level. And the thing there is... I thought Galax was better equipped in the spring for a couple of different reasons. They had one Cole Pickett at the time, a quarterback, so they had that passing presence. Uh, Two, Holston had a more experienced team, uh, and they had a coaching change, and they're actually a remarkable story this year in Region 1D to be 10-0, be unblemished here, uh, having that coaching change with Derek Patterson leaving to go to Virginia High a Class 2 school and with Quahim Brooks, their stud dual-threat quarterback, graduating, so for them to be right back in position to be, you know, in the state Final Four is quite a story. That region is a little bit tougher for them to get out of than, I think, Galax in Region C or uh, Riverheads in Region B. But really the mystery or intrigue to me in Class 1 is not that we, you know, who's go- – Riverheads, are they going to be there? I think they're going to be there ultimately. I think that win streak's going to rev itself up to about 50. The question to me is who comes out of Region 1A because all those eight teams, if you listen to people – whether it be on our message boards on Virginia, perhaps you talk to coaches around that area or just watch a little bit of the footage you can get access to. Everybody thinks that whole thing is a crapshoot. I thought at the beginning of the year, Northumberland was the best team um, with the prospect that's been offered by UVA. Essex has the most tradition, but you turn around, you look at Essex here lately, and they just got walloped over the head by a, a pretty good margin uh, a couple weeks back, 27 to nothing. In a ball game, or twenty-six nothing in a ball game by Washington and Lee, who's the number two seed, and they could certainly lose to a seven seed Northumberland. And I think four through six with Northampton, West Point, King and Queen, Colonial Beach—they're all pretty similar and equal. I'm watching out for King and Queen, despite a loss to um, King William here in the finale of the regular season. But I think tradition and coaching and all those things gives the nod to Essex. But anything could happen in that region, so that's the one region I won't be surprised what happens in Class One.
0: Okay, Matt, I'm moving on to Class 2. Stewart's Draft fans, a little upset that they ended up losing to Riverheads. Cost them a chance to be the one seed in Region 2B, but the Cougars, who are state fireless back-to-back seasons, have a great opportunity, in my opinion, to get back there. What do you think of Stewart's Draft's opportunity as the two seed in Region 2B?
2: I like their chances a lot here. I do think the possible semifinal matchup with Clark County could be tricky for them. But ultimately, their experience and being there before and even having a, a challenging game here late in the season with Riverheads, I think is going to serve them well to get through that region. Uh, across the board, though, statewide, Joe, I think the thing that I'm watching out for is uh, a couple of things. One, Graham and Appomattox have seemed to have been on a collision course here. And they're the ones that have won the last five, six state championships in class, Two. Mm-hmm. Uh, we know Doug Smith's back on the sidelines this year after his bout with cancer. They won it in the spring. They've got Trey Lawing. They took a really lopsided loss early to heritage of Lynchburg, but have been dominant ever since. And Graham has been uh, about as good as they were a couple of years back when they won the state championship with Cameron Allen leading the way who's at Purdue. I watched them, uh, live in a game. It was a really close one with union, uh, on the NFHS network and they pulled that one out. And I, I think there's a lot of people feeling that that will be an eventual rematch in region 2d between, um, the bears and the G men, but uh King Williams got two of the fastest players you're going to ever see uh, in Virginia. And I think DeMond Claiborne is perhaps the fastest football player in the state, which is hard to say for someone at class two. He's going to wake forest. He's a running back. He's just absolutely tremendous. And the numbers he's been putting up this year are just eye popping. So I, I think that's the thing that's going to be really fascinating for me to see. I I've kind of labeled the winner of grand mathematics, the favorite in class two to win the state championship. But if we get a Stewart's draft, King William, state semifinal they're both number two seats uh, i think that could be a will of a ball game and it would be a real test to see if that stewart's draft defense has the uh, ingredients and components to stop a kid like claiborne who was just run all over defenses here including lafayette who won the class three state championship back on may the first so uh, he's no slouch or whatsoever claiborne can get it done and um that's the matchup i'd like to see there in, in the state semis to see how stewart's draft matchups with that speed
0: yeah, and that's one that, you know, folks in our area almost got to see in the regular season because uh, that mm-hmm. was a matchup that was slated to happen. And then, unfortunately, uh, transportation issues got in the way of that game kicking off. And uh, Stewart's Draft ends up taking a forfeit against LeRae, who they're going to play in the first round. So yeah. seems for Stewart's Draft, uh, the COVID schedule might get to play out in the postseason in the most dangerous way. So uh, but. Uh, Leland, I'll toss over to you for class
1: three. Yeah. Class three, this, we have some local teams there with, uh, our Wilson Memorial and, uh, Waynesboro coming from, uh, region three C there, but so many familiar names in class three, particularly in region a with Phoebus, Lafayette, Lake Taylor, Hopewell, all those schools being talked around state championship games in these past years, Phoebus, one of the storied programs in the state. Lafayette did win this over Lord Botetourt in the spring. Uh, Liberty Christians 9-0 and coming out of Region C, uh, and then Lord Botat coming out of Region D, familiar to a lot of our local fans. Uh, tell us about what you think is going to happen there in Class 3 with a lot of teams that you would want to mention uh, deep into the playoffs. There's There's just not enough spots for all that.
2: No, there isn't. And it, what's what's interesting to me is, you know, going back to the thing with class two, the best players are running back in Claiborne, who's just absolutely tremendous 1,500 plus yards, 27 yards, 27 rushing touchdowns. Class three's best player is an offensive lineman over at Liberty Christian and Zach Rice. He's a five star. He committed to UNC over Alabama, UVA, Notre Dame, and, and a host of others. Ohio State on that list as well. And they've got a bunch of really good players skill players around him, including a freshman in Gideon Davidson, who's already got some power five attention, who by the end of this postseason, he might say, I'm the best player in this bracket. Oh, by the way, their quarterback, Davis Lane's going to UVA. We've had Liberty Christian ranked number one in the state all year long. People on the eastern side of the state think I'm crazy. They think it's Phoebus. I don't think they quite know how good Liberty Christian is. And maybe Liberty Christian doesn't realize how good Phoebus is, although the Phantoms are coming off a 42 to nothing humbling loss to Oscar Smith. I got a chance to interview some Phoebus players over the weekend, and they just seem very dejected from that. Maybe it's a game they can use their benefit like Oscar Smith will on its playoff run playing the number uh, three-ranked team in the country that they lost to out of California in September. But nonetheless, Phoebus has to watch out for Lake Taylor. And sort of like we'll get to a 3D here in a second, Lake Taylor's a program under Hank Slurder Young, but they've been in those spots before, championship pedigree, You've got Lafayette inside that bracket. It's a tough draw for Phoebus. I, I think 3B might be on a collision course with Meridian and Brentsville District. Watch out for Goochland, number 4C, because they've been in the playoff picture before, so they could knock off Meridian. I give the nod to Brentsville out of that region. Um, Brookville had a much better chance to go far in this thing without some injuries. I don't see them getting through to the final in region 3C. I like Heritage of Lynchburg to see Liberty Christian, but Liberty's played these teams from the Seminole like Brookville, E.C. Glass here recently. A heritage so i think they're gonna get through 3d is kind of a mystery region guy similar to like i said with 1a because christiansburg's the top seed playing really really well their defense can you can move the ball in and score Bottom talk can probably get through them i kind of like abingdon uh in the bottom part of that bracket as the two seed uh but the one team i would circle is magnificent the six seed they've won back-to-back state titles before and they have a player in tyler johnson going to penn state at wide receiver that if he gets hot in the postseason Watch out. They might be a surprise entry to the region final. So 3D is the one up for grabs, whereas Liberty Christian and Phoebus look like favorites. And I don't think the 3B champ has a real, real chance to advance past the state semi-level.
0: So looking at class four now, Salem, obviously a power. Dinwiddie, a team that has had success before. Broad Run has Mm -hmm. had success at other classifications. Tuscarora is a tough team. So, Looking at class C, or uh, excuse me, region C in class four, I'm mm-hmm. going to guess you're about to tell us region C is wide open because, you know, Sharando there at five and five, the four seed from the Northwestern district, such a dangerous team, right? Or <laughs> or are you about to break my heart?
2: His, his alma mater, yeah. <laughs> oh, listen, I would love to tell you, this isn't quite the, the flying hunter Ensminger's from a few years <laughs> back. Nothing no. against the uh, <laughs> Warriors of Sharando. I'll tell you this, Joe, I was telling this to somebody today, I won't be shocked the way they do their seating. It's Dulles District, Northwestern District. I won't be shocked if the Dulles sweeps the Northwestern.
0: I don't Broad disagree.
2: Run, <laughs> Loudoun County, Tuscarora, and Heritage Leesburg all winning. Heritage Leesburg is a nice story. They actually knocked off Tuscarora early this year. I love Tuscarora a lot early this year, and they've been in the state playoffs the last couple of years. Under coach Brandon They got a running back going to Virginia Tech and Bryce Duke. But I think I overlooked just the amount of experience and talent they lost in their defensive front seven, led by Matej Fitz, who's at James Madison. So I don't know that Tuscarora can get all the way through and win the region. Broad Run is the best team. Uh, they got shellacked by Stonebridge. They do have a quarterback in Brett Griffiths going to Wake Forest. Uh, Isaiah Lemon, the wide receiver, VMI commit. They have weapons galore. There is kind of a sense from people, and this isn't me, but up there, that are they quite as physical and aggressive and tough when the going gets tough uh, late in the playoffs? They're more of that finesse style of team. So they can kind of prove those doubters wrong in this tournament here in, in Region 4C. But to a bigger picture, Joe, I think the thing with Class 4 is it is so up for grabs. Salem's got all that tradition in winning, but I'm here to tell you right now, as great as they are, and here come the Salem fans out of the woodwork to, to pound me, <laughs> I actually believe that the EC Glass Hilltoppers are the most dangerous team they just played Liberty Christian tough. They've got an excellent passing combination. White to wood. Keep an eye on George White throwing it to Eli Wood. They can sling it. And they are a dangerous team. They got Louisa first in the quarterfinals, who's also no slouch with a good quarterback in Landon Wilson. But that might be the whole that might be the best matchup in the whole class four. Picture first round, EC Glass Louisa. Although potentially uh another good game in class four region B is Matoka, Patrick Henry Ashland as as that's going to be a real bar burner as well. 4B's got – whoever comes out of that region, that's the toughest region, is going to have a real chance to win it, and Timberty's the favorite there. I'm not going to sleep on King George, who's unbeaten, or Verina, who just beat Highland Springs. Awesome. Um, but, man, I, I, I'm telling you right now, Salem is the number one team in the state for a reason they defending champ, but they're vulnerable because they're, it's not that they're weak. It's, there's a lot of tough teams they got to go through just to get back and win things. So
0: before I toss it back over to Leland here for class five and I, you know, I agree looking when I saw Verina beat Highland Springs, I was like, wow. Um, Cause that's <laughs> Highland Springs is that team that in class four has just kind of, or, uh, or excuse me in the state playoffs has just been that team that is jumped out at you as like, oh wow, this team is going to win a state championship because it's Highland Springs and they always win. Um, mm-hmm. But Seeing them drop that game really surprised me when I saw that. But I want to go back to Region C just for a second. Sharando and James Wood are done. I, I have kept tabs back home close enough to know neither one of those teams has a prayer. I know Hanley's only loss is to Kettle Run. And I know you said Tuscarora has a chance to maybe make a deep run. Do you think Hanley... And Loudon County, do you think that's a better matchup for the Northwestern District teams, or do you think Kettle Run has the best chance to win? And if Kettle Run doesn't, then it's a sweep.
2: Uh, that's a great question. I would lean a little bit more with Hanley
0: than oh.
2: Kettle Run. I just feel like Tuscarora, coming off a loss, I'm a big believer. Of programs like that level, and I would I would put them even though they don't have the championship that Highland Springs does, or some other programs do. That they're you know they're an elite level program. I don't see them going into the playoffs off that loss and not avenging it. And Kettle Run, while they've been a great story this year and handed handling that only blemish, I I don't know I'd favor them that game. I'd give Tuscarora kind of a 60-40 edge in that matchup. So the the big concern would be, can you stop Bryce Duke? Can they stop him from running the football all down them? And I know it's different than playing a Stephen Daly, who's a great player going to Kent State, but thing about Kettle Run is they've given up 28 points or more four times this year, including just 35, especially to Sharando. So I don't know if their defense can hold up against that very, very massive offensive line for Tuscarora with a guy who's 6'8", 315 in Fletcher Westfall at left tackle. they got a 6'7", other tackle in uh, Sean Pozniak. But Bryce Duke run the ball is going to be hard for them to deal with. I, I would give the slight nod if I had to pick one uh, to Hanley in that matchup with Loudoun County.
0: Ugh. Well, I hope they get swept then. <laughs> <laughs> going to so class, class five, Leland. Class five,
1: we've talked about Highland Springs a lot already. Uh, let's talk about the classification they're actually going to have to play the playoffs in. And, uh, yeah, they're set at 7-3, but still a one seed down in region C. Um, Highland Springs, Stone Ridge, both of them have been in five of the last six state championships, have seen each other a bunch in these. Um, what what are you seeing between all of class five region Uh, all of class five, but Highland Springs, Stonebridge, you know, Maury run a, won a recent one. What
2: are you seeing happen there? Well, there's a couple of juicy storylines in class five for one, uh, Stonebridge, Highland Springs, they've met how many times now it's been, it's been unreal. They obviously had that matchup that landed Jacob Thomas, the two sport phenom on sports center with the number one play that unbelievable catch in overtime. To win it against Highland Springs and finally get Mickey Thompson over the hump after having lost so many state championships in a row, if Stonebridge plays guys the way they did in their battle of the burn matchup with Broad Run, where they just absolutely took Broad Run apart, sixty-four to seven. If they play at that level, there is not a team in Virginia, in any division, that can beat them now that's a big if they can play at that level. They have a myriad of backs, a myriad of skill guys. Dylan Hundermark was on that basketball team with Jacob Thomas that also won a state championship when they rallied from 19 down against Green Run. Uh, they've got weapons galore. Defensive line's great. Carter he's going to JMU and did, they've kind of reloaded on defense after graduating about eight or nine starters. So, that region, though, has Massaponics, who I thought was better last year, but a very nice story under Coach Eric Ludden at 7-1. Mountain View was 9-0 until Wee and put up an interview with their coach, and they lost, so you can blame us for that. Uh, they got a great running back in Ike Daniels, though, who's very, very good. Uh, and Riverbend's got a tight end in, in, in Matthias Mega Barnwell, great nickname in Mega, who's – Going to Penn State, and he's a load to deal with. So that region won't be easy, but it's hard to go against Stonebridge. Highland Springs' region is easy. I'm sorry, but none of those teams this year are great. And if you want a 2 7 upset in your bracket, I'm here to tell you Midlothian has lost its last two, and I could see Mills Godwin possibly knocking them off. Uh, there's been a lot of spice here in the 7 5 7 about Green Run and Maury playing. Maury's only played six games. They beat Stonebridge a couple years ago in 2019 to win the state championship. And Doreen McCain's one of the best innovative offensive minds in the state coaching football. His quarterback, Saquon Miles, is putting up good numbers. And they got a wide receiver and a Marion Granger going to old dominion, but green runs never had a season like this in football. Their basketball team won a state championship, lost the 19 point lead to Stonebridge in a state championship. And they'd like to have the storyline of playing Stonebridge to get some payback in a state football championship from what happened in basketball back in February um, but Green Run-Mori would be a really uh, intriguing matchup in the state semis, and they've got a lot of skill guys those Green Run. Their quarterback, Xavier Davis, is the area's leading passer. They've got wide receivers galore with Kalen Brody-Adams, one of the nation's best sophomores, and a guy in town, Holloway, going to North Carolina. So this could be their coming out to the rest of the state because people in Tyler know how good they are if they can get through that region and then also knock off Maury to play possibly either a Highland Springs or a Stonebridge in the state finals on December 11th at ODU.
0: Moving on to Class Six, you got a lot of familiar names here too. You have Oscar Smith, you have South County, the last two state champions in that classification that have played each other the last two years. You also have Westfield, a team that had been a dynasty in the state of Virginia as well. They're back in Region D as a three seed this year. Who is going to take the Class Six championship?
2: Yeah, and only five and five for Westfield's not their typical year. They've they've been young in some spots. You know, Kyle Simmons is one of the best coaches around, but I. They just got shut out by Centerville in the regular season finale, and I like what Coach Shields, who's a former Westfield assistant, has done at Centerville with a running back in Isaiah Ragland, who could certainly uh, be one of the best in this playoff run here in Class 6. i got to go with Madison. The Warhawks are very experienced on defense. They've got a number of guys with Alex Dredge, uh, John Hurley that were on that team that lost close to South County. Uh, To me, the most intriguing region is Region 6C, because I think I tweeted this a couple weeks back, guys, that's the seatbelt region and buckle your seatbelt. There could be some head spinning 58, 53 type of games. They just had one with West Springfield and West Potomac. Uh, You could see some games in the 40s there. Robinson's the top seed, but they're very run heavy. So if someone stops the run and makes them throw, can they adjust? South County's good. They've got a wide receiver who's dynamite in Brock Spalding, who is going to East Carolina and Cam Hoskins opposite him as well. But they've had some not so impressive performances in two of last three games, losing to Lake Braddock, also got picked off a couple weeks back before that. So they're a four seed here, and they're not a given to get through West Springfield. And, and Fairfax is pretty good. That region's kind of up for grabs. You kind of lean with your South County and Robinson to win it. Um, Battlefield's the only undefeated team in the state in class six, and nobody is really talking about them much. And I'm not even convinced they win that region. I kind of like Freedom of Woodbridge to get through. And Battlefield's got a perennial state power in Colonial Forge is an eighth seed, who's usually a team always hovered in the region championship or state semis in their quarterfinal game, which feels almost unfair to them, granted. Colonial Forge is four and six, and they lost to some teams like Stonebridge and Highland Springs this year. But Oscar Smith's the team to beat in class six until proven otherwise. And if I had to project, the biggest question to me is who sees Oscar Smith in the state finals? And And right now, I would give the nod to Madison, even though there are some other candidates you could go with, like Centerville, like South County, and even a Robinson.
0: All right. Well, thank you for answering all those questions for us, Matt. And again, I know you've been busy with everything, and it means the world to Lila and I that you take the time out of your busy schedule to talk to us about this and Help educate our listeners in ways that we can, especially with these other classifications. Leland, you make and I that can, sound smart. Yeah, Leland <laughs> and I can, you know, give them the dumb version of class one and class two, but you you help us out with that, and then you you deliver with three, four, five, and six as well. Really heavy for our audience. We we appreciate that.
2: Hey guys, anytime. And I've got to get caught up on my Law and Order SVU and organized crime so I can answer those hard hitting questions the next time. I'm on the show because I'm already two episodes behind. Thank goodness for the Hulu. I can watch some of these replays when I get some downtime from the basketball, but I got to catch up on that. I'm I'm behind in that right. lagging here. When when
1: are you going to have downtime? <laughs>
2: uh, I think the end of March, you know, and listen, even if they make a long NCAA tournament run, I might not be till April. So by then they'll probably take the the reruns off the show, although they play them all the time on TV. So I'll, I'll hopefully we'll find some time.
1: Well, thank you again. Well, good Matt. luck with that. Thank you so much.
0: Yeah, good luck with the monarchs. Have fun.
2: Appreciate it.
1: C block time. Again, thanks, Matt Hatfield, for coming on. We could probably have that conversation for a solid two hours uh, (laughs) instead of cutting those short, but I think that gives everybody a good idea about what's about to happen in the state from a guy that absolutely knows what's about to happen in the state last spring, I think he nailed like every prediction mm-hmm. he had. So uh, I think that's why I didn't ask specific um, predictions out of him. Cause I didn't, I didn't want him to, you know,
0: ruin the surprise. Uh, okay. Spoiler alert. Riverheads wins class one. I
1: don't... <laughs> all right. Let's uh, go to some stuff. That's also not surprising Virginia tech. Uh, I was not at all surprised. It was the least aware I was of a Virginia tech football game. In 20 years, I, we, I was, we were calling high school football. I knew we were in trouble against Boston College because we're not good. And it was probably even worse than I thought it would be. Um, so I, I just, I'm unemotional about what happened. It's just, it just keeps on being further proof that I, I don't need to scream and yell. He's getting fired. So, I mean, he knows it. He's, he knows it at this point.
0: Yeah, they didn't score a touchdown against a team that hadn't won a conference game. So that's pretty special. Um, and gotten blown
1: out the last few
0: weeks. And just, you know, it, it only is made even worse when the next day you see Hendon Hooker throw for over 300 yards and four touchdowns against Kentucky, the number 18 yeah. team in the country, and beat them in Kentucky. Or, or <laughs> that he doesn't know the medical
1: status of his players in the By in the, the way, game.
0: Justin Fuente lost to Kentucky in a bowl game two years ago. In fact, it's the last bowl game we went to. So, Cool. Joseph Fuente is going to get fired, like you said, and that's kind of all. Yeah, but him not knowing – yeah, him saying out loud in a press conference, I was really surprised to find out Trey Turner wasn't playing. Just don't say that out loud, buddy. Yeah. You you tend to be afraid of answering questions from the media, which I totally get now. Every time you have a (laughs) press conference, I'm like, why did you say that out loud? I get it. Uh, Just stop because – you're not going to have a job come December 17th in Blacksburg and we'll be happier. You'll be happier and just best of luck in your future endeavors, buddy, because I am not going to miss him. So the two coaches I wanted to talk about this week, uh,
1: I, I just want to bring names. Out. Again, this isn't people I'm pulling for. It's just names that get talked about. Jerry kill is now the, interim coach at TCU he was the coach from Minnesota that came to us and really helped our team uh during the season two years ago uh helped us you know learn how to use a running offense stuff like that uh and then he left you know in the middle of the night after the season because he wanted to get away from the tire
0: fire um he was at well, TCU he, because he said someone should not have a job on that staff and Fuente disagreed so somebody I've,
1: is it a vegetable kind of person or, um,
0: so yeah, that's his name, the, not his, you know, brain activity, <laughs> although they're kind of synonymous <laughs> at this point, but go ahead.
1: Uh, so Jerry Kill is a name that will get brought up. Uh, he's one of those older kind of coaches and, and he wouldn't be the long-term fix. Uh, that's why I wouldn't immediately say that's who I want. Uh, but, you know, I don't mind the time he spent at Virginia tech. So uh, if for some reason, that was the course of action that we wanted at this point. Uh, I would see the positives that are there. It's just not what I'd, I'd rather have the younger coach that might stay here for 20 years. That's why, you know, on paper, I liked Fuente when he came, I thought that he would fit that mold, but that's not always the answer and that's not always what a program needs. So um, that that's why his name will get brought up. Uh, the other one I want to talk about. So I got Dave Clawson with Wake forest. They've been scoring a lot of points down there. Um, yeah. I, you know, Virginia tech has more football pedigree as a program in the history, you know, last 20, 30 years than what wake forest has. Um, but again, you start talking about these perceived maybe lateral moves and I mean, you're playing, it gets you out of the Atlantic side. It puts you in the coastal, but I, you know, I just don't, I don't see that move coming. I don't see Clawson coming. I've, I've seen a little bit of talk about that on Twitter. Um, I, I wouldn't be against the idea of talking to him about it. I, I think he's done a good job at a place that's hard to win. And um, I guess it's the second time he's kind of had him rise up, um, which is, is interesting. Um, but at the same time, I I would like to see more consistency, but it, that's hard to do at Wake. So uh, whoever we get, I want to get our program good and keep it good. Um, so that, those are the two names this week. Uh, neither one of those are ones that I have at the top of my list. Uh, but We'll
0: have more next week. Yeah. I, I don't think Dave Clawson is as outlandish as some of the other names that have come up on this list before that I think would be Virginia Tech as a downgrade from. I don't think Virginia Tech is a downgrade from Wake Forest. I think it is an upgrade from Wake Forest. I don't know if he goes just because I don't know what aspirations Dave Clawson has.
1: He's not super old, but but he's he's just in that mid-range age. Like, he he could come
0: and stay a long time. I mean, that's possible. He could, but he might. Like, I don't know if he likes Winston-Salem or if his family likes it there. And there's just other stuff there that I don't know the answer to. But um, I think it is easier to have success at Virginia Tech than it is Wake Forest, even next year. Old Shane had a big win over over, uh, Florida down there. Yeah, I mean, it's just... Really, this weekend was about as nightmarish as it could be yeah. if you're a Virginia Tech yep. fan. Everyone that what? you have feelings for had Did a well. great Other weekend, places. and then you look at yeah. your game and you're like, oh. All of
1: your ex-girlfriends, you know, dressed up really nice and were very classy at a very nice party. And your girlfriend was swinging from the, sh- like, the wrecking ball chandelier there. And, uh,
0: <laughs> like, that's, ah, that's like the a weekend play Virginia play school (laughs) swing set like and fell down and banged her head on the ground and then you had to take her to the ER and spend all night there.
1: No, she toughed it out. She bled from the face throughout. That's, that's, she she wouldn't take help. She didn't want to leave. She demanded you stay. That's, that's the, yeah, that sounds right. And then you're just like, (laughs) what? And then she drank a lot and got sick. Well, yeah, that's how
0: she got on the play school (laughs) swing set.
1: Yeah. All right. UVA was on a bye, uh, so not much to talk about there. They have Notre Dame night game on ABC next, so that's something UVA fans can get excited about. It's not on the ACC network, so that's that's good for UVA fans. Their quarterback uh, is day-to-day with his injury is what we were hearing, so I think a lot of people were afraid he was done-done or at least out another week or so, uh, but it looks like he's day-to-day. I imagine that kid plays. He seems like a tough kid, and I imagine if there's any way for him to get out there, he will.
0: Maybe. If I don't know. Listen to him day to day. I don't. I I, do not I don't play, know if I, I would. Mean, and and let me say it from this standpoint. I said that last
1: week. Yeah, stay out of it and
0: be good for the. This NCAA game doesn't but, mean anything. Yeah. This yeah. game doesn't mean anything if you're Notre or UVA. If you beat Notre Dame, yes, it's a great win in program history or whatever. But if you play Armstrong and he gets banged up in this meaningless game and ruins your chance at potentially winning the coastal, which is a very realistic goal for UVA right now. I think that would be really sad. I I, I would rather keep him out. If he is not, if you are, if the medical training staff looks at, can look at him and say, this has a 20% potential to get worse. If he plays, absolutely do not play him. Absolutely. No. Save them I would just week. feel
1: like if that was the case or that possibility was there, they wouldn't list him as day-to-day. They would, they would maybe just shut up about it or something like that. Uh, funny enough, it seems like Brock Hall and his medical staff are on the same page about what's going on. Because oh, he was talking about this communication today ahead of the game. So that's, that's interesting. Well, Pete Moore um, said
0: that Fuente talks to the medical staff all the time. And, you know, whatever. Sometimes game talk- time decisions are different. It's like, I, I think know. he
1: should seek medical attention. but
0: I think Pete Moore should not tweet, but
1: that's a uh, story. I was at the JMU game. They beat up on Campbell. Their quarterback was pretty good. He, he could run around and make some plays, but he didn't have near enough of them against JMU. And there were a receiver that had four touchdowns, but it was a pretty day in Harrisonburg. But all the talk while I was in Harrisonburg was about going, uh, leaving the CAA, going to the Sunbelt. They had the official press conference that morning. I mean, that was the only discussion I had about JMU while I was on that campus was the future and Sunbelt and how the CAA not letting these current players that are currently in academic school years and current seasons not play in the CAA championships. I absolutely hate this. I don't care if there's precedent. I don't care. I I hate it. I think it's wrong. If it was done in the past, it was wrong then, too. Um, You don't see Oklahoma and Texas getting left out of anything down there on their way out. I I just hate that the CAA is doing this particularly this academic year, if it's got to be next year or something in the, in the um, lame duck year. Okay. Establish it before the academic school year starts during the summer. I think that was the timeline on some of these other decisions. It was during the summer. It was before any of the seasons that actually started. I think it's absolutely ridiculous that like volleyball can't play in the CAA Um, and all these sports that are beginning this week. I, I just absolutely hate it for these kids. And uh, they had a protest on the field. I took a picture of it, tweeted it. Um, They had a lot, you know, hundreds of kids out on the field uh, chanting, let us play. And I thought that that definitely stood out. You don't you don't see that every day at a game. So uh, that was the talk at JMU on Saturday.
0: Yes, I understand all of that. I agree that it stinks for the kids that are there now, and I wish that the CAA would let them play. Yep. That being said. Is what it is. As this has gone on, I have gotten more and more aggravated by just the sheer boldness at which jmu is acting like this is the greatest crime to ever happen in college sports <laughs> um it is a policy that jmu has been benefited from in the past in fact you don't even need to leave this century to find out the last time it happened it's the only time their men's basketball program was relevant was because of a similar situation where some teams were not allowed to compete because they were leaving the caa so that knocked out some of the teams that were ahead of them. And then there were some teams that were academically ineligible to compete in the CAA basketball tournament. And so JMU, who was like the fifth best team in the conference, got to make the NCAA tournament that year because everyone ahead of them got knocked out. Uh, Also, ODU and George Mason were victims of this. East Carolina, Richmond, American, also victims of this. Uh, Back in 2001, that was Actually, what created it? Uh, And JMU has voted for this similar punishment to all of those teams leaving. Yes, President Alger was technically not there then. I think if the school's name was William and Mary and not James Madison, President Alger would have voted for the CAA ban. I think we would not be seeing any of these tweets. And certainly not as many from certain people, say working at a paper, criticizing this and saying things like, I think the CAA will change their mind on this, or this I don't this is different than back in 2013. I don't think the CAA is gonna ban JMU. And then later saying, You can say that it was foolish to for JMU to think that they might not be punished the same way the other teams had. It. And I was like, I mean, okay person who tweeted that exact thing okay um i I just now there's suggestions that jmu should take the caa to court over this and one by the time that gets handled it's over yeah those sports are over two american did this in 2001 they lost so that legal precedent has already been set you know what's going to happen in that court case they're going to go were these bylaws in place before the academic year began? Yes. You okay? Done. Sorry, you lost. Life sucks sometimes. It's unfair. Yeah. That's what I've kind of gotten to—is the life sucks sometimes thing. Like this is this
1: is just the cost of doing this. And let me tell of, you, of doing CAA, this, and it's be, in four years—you're just never going to—it's
0: going to be so worth it. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. The sports, the athletics programs are moving to the Sun Belt. This is a plus for all, but. The two or three sports, I think, right now that don't have a home, but I am positive they will find one in the Sun Belt. Not in the Sun Belt, but they will find one, and they will be okay, too. This is one of those things that, yeah, I mean, life sucks, and sadly, sometimes it's not fair, and I feel bad for these athletes because I know they've worked really hard, and they want a chance at a CA Conference Championship and to play in an NCAA tournament. And for some of those yep. sports, that's the only way they're going to get that shot. And I feel bad for him, But sometimes someone, especially when they have a job and get a lot of reach in the community, they need to check their pro JMU all the time. Everything is great. And they do nothing wrong stance at the door because you do. And he's getting roasted by people who are dunking on him because, oh, this guy is just a Drexel fan. Well, the Drexel fan has some points. JMU has not been opposed to this. JMU's president voted to ban Oklahoma state because they have a player, uh, or get, have Oklahoma state gets, a, uh, sorry, not Oklahoma state. No, it was Oklahoma state. Oklahoma state's banned because they broke a rule. Uh, and now you have Illinois, their player is being suspended because of a rule that was violated and his suspension was upheld. Uh, a rule that is no longer illegal because of NIL, he just did it a month early, and so now he's suspended for three games. Um, And they upheld that. JMU's president, in defending his Oklahoma State vote, said, well, our job was to look and see if a rule was broken by the letter of the law, not to interpret whether that rule was fair or whether they should be punished in that way. Great. You know what the CAA presidents are gonna say? Well, our job is to look at that bylaw and say, is that what it says? Yes, it does. Okay, bye. End of story. Now, you don't like it because you went to JMU. That's fine. Or you're a JMU fan. That's fine. It's okay for you not to like it. But guess what? Sometimes this happens. The rule was there. You knew it was the rule. You went to the Sun Belt because it's the best long-term move. And Jeff Bourne and the JMU Athletics Department have to think about the long-term. Does it hurt these kids in the short term? Absolutely. Not going to argue. Sucks. They have their petition. That's great. That petition is going to get printed out and thrown in the garbage. They don't care. Uh, The the CAA is not going to change their mind at this point. They have dug in their heels. And let me tell you what else. You can say this is a bad strategy, but the CAA has to be worried about other conferences coming to pick off some of their teams. There is talk of College Charleston peacing out. They have to look at other teams potentially leaving their conference. So they are going to stand here and say, Hey, everyone else in the conference, we're not bending the rules for a charter member, JMU, who has represented this conference in football national championships, in a softball national championship, and in a field hockey national championship. Not doing it for them. So we surely aren't going to do it for you. It's done as a threat. And again, you can say, what team would want to stay here? Blah, blah, blah. JMU stood here and stayed there the last time conference realignment came around. So maybe it keeps some of these teams around here. Maybe it keeps them surviving long enough to add other teams. I'm not saying that it's a great strategy. And, again, I'm not saying the CAA is right in doing this. I'm just saying they've done it, and now, unfortunately, life goes on. And I'm tired. I guess I am just at the point where, as much as I don't like it, I'm tired of reading about it, and I'm tired of one person throwing yeah, reckless, reckless abandonment in terms of facts into what he is going into here. I mean, JMU, maybe the state attorney's general gets involved. God, I hope not. There is enough going on in this state that can be handled. and is way more important than whether JMU competes in a CAA conference championship.
1: Yeah, I actually have, <laughs> I've been, <laughs> professionally, I've had to deal with the state attorney general and uh, they're seeking their involvement on a, issue that was costing the state a grand amount of money and uh yeah they didn't spend much time on that either so i wouldn't think here about winning and losing uh some yeah and let me tell you what else okay
0: because i saw that maybe it's pro bono Uh, zero lawyers zero lawyers have gotten their law degree from jmu because they don't have a law school so that's how many are going to do it pro bono (laughs) just don't just stop saying stuff to say stuff that's my problem with that particular person all right, so to
1: wrap up college football talk, we're going to have to trash on the college football playoff selection committee. I'll set you up for that. Last week, we were both not happy with how it was, with Cincinnati being at six. This week in action, two number two, number four, number five, number six, all had close games, and number three and number nine lose. So process of elimination. We probably see Cincinnati move up to fifth. But Joe, here is your opportunity to tell me how wrong I am to assume that because of the obvious stuff and I don't even argue with you
0: about. But college football playoff. What would you think, man? <laughs> I'm glad that we recorded and released it on Monday. I wasn't doing it with the thought that this was coming out Tuesday because I probably would have then not done that. But it, it was what was best because it allowed me to have a week to calm down. And. Oh, yeah, you were fired up. Gosh, yeah, I was. And and I still am bothered by it. I'm just amazed that this the college football playoff commissioner can come out and say, hey, you know, they did what we asked. But, you know, they they haven't done it with enough style points. You know, they barely beat Tulane. That's okay. You know who else has barely beaten Tulane? Oklahoma. Oklahoma. I bet Oklahoma finds a way to jump them even though they also didn't look great against, you know, Kansas, that college football dynasty. Right. Yep. Why, why I, do they get punished? Why is it different I, I thought, because Cincinnati gets punished because, oh, well, you know, they're not doing good enough. And, uh, you know, well, uh, they, yeah, they beat Notre Dame on the road, but, uh, you know, that's the only thing they've done. Notre Dame's number seven, Leland. That'll be who jumps them. That's what that's who they is, beat. They'll use Notre Dame to jump Cincinnati just to rub their face in it and be like, you'll never be us until actually Cincinnati will because they're moving to the big 12. But
1: one of the things I thought was funny was that they're like, well, that Oregon win over Ohio State was the biggest win of the year. And I was like, okay. what about that loss to Stanford? But then They also lost a freaking Stanford. And then you know Stanford,
0: who, lost Yeah, you know, who doesn't have a loss nearly that bad? Cincinnati, because they're undefeated. Yeah. They didn't yeah. lose to a terrible Stanford team, who, by the way, can't beat anyone else. They and, get dog-walked in every other game they play. And
1: I know I was the advocate on the other side of this argument last year, but coming into this year, as season ended last year, I said, hey, Notre Dame's on Cincinnati's schedule this year. That's what they need. That's the ticket. And coming into the, early in this year, I've said it. So I'm not on the other side, because Cincinnati did what they should have to do to – to at least be in the mix. And I don't, on the first week of this thing, when they're only going to play more bad teams the rest of the way,
0: putting them at six, you're just saying, it doesn't matter what you do, you're going to be out. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. And this is why, so, Leland, this is why. And also, here's the other thing, Bama being number two, don't tell me the regular season matters. The regular season matters for some teams. The regular season doesn't matter if your name's Alabama. It doesn't typically matter if you're Clemson. Just Clemson is like fall on their face. Well, they lost three,
1: didn't they? Yeah.
0: They're just falling on their face terrible. Doesn't yeah. matter for Ohio State. Doesn't matter for Oregon. Because if the regular season mattered, that's Stanford lost. Sorry, you lost to a terrible team. And we can only take four. Goodbye. Yeah. Ohio State. Now, they might win the Big Ten and run the tape, maybe, although. The Big Ten man. I don't have faith in
1: anybody right now. Yeah. Georgia is who I think is best, and and sadly, like I the think, playoff committee. I honestly, might get them. I
0: don't know. I honestly think there is no one else in the country outside of Georgia. I, I want Cincinnati to be in this. If Cincinnati played Georgia again, I don't think it goes like that bowl game. But okay, committee. Let's go back to that though. In that bowl game they played last year, they, they the game, were yeah. right there with Georgia overtime I think right if not it went to down to the very it was end right of the game down to the wire
1: and but like honestly you conceded that last year and you're like yeah since it didn't since didn't win and that's like, and that's, that's all they care point. about and I gave it back to
0: you I was like they were there man they, they yeah played, but it they but in the ball. eyes of the committee it doesn't matter Leland no. it doesn't matter no. and this is why last year shouldn't matter and so like
1: maybe that's the argument And I'll get there they should, They would say, "Well, last year does what they
0: did in the bowl game last year doesn't matter." Then why is Bama number two? Then why? Yes, because why, Bama this year has not been good. They barely they beat rest, a Florida team that is not rest. good. They barely beat a Florida team who is not good. They what barely beat an LSU Alabama team that that's is not good. Than
1: what Cincinnati has? Cincinnati beat Notre Dame. Who has Alabama beat? That's that's higher ranked.
0: Alabama does not have a win that good on their schedule. They just don't and they have a loss. They beat Florida, who they beat they lost to Texas A&M. Like come on. Florida's think, not good honestly, this year. I'm, I'm a LSU's not good.
1: Yeah, and they they struggled with it this weekend. I thought the life was going to take care of itself. When, all those, see, when I was looking at scores for the JMU game, and then when I'm getting home watching a little bit of this, I thought, well, maybe maybe everything's a lot, and just to put Cincinnati back in it this no. week is like... It doesn't matter. Leland, all these teams could lose. It literally would end not up matter. winning.
2: Literally but wouldn't Michigan matter. State.
1: Literally you wouldn't were Mr. Matter. Michigan State last week, though, and I, I had my doubts immediately, and so that was the only, like, clap back I had it to this week.
0: Purdue is the giant, the giant killer. killers. They they yeah. take out Iowa when they're number two. They take out Purdue this year exists to try to get Cincinnati in the playoff, and I respect them. When Hope, does Purdue play yeah, Ohio when did they State? play Ohio State? Come on, a- <laughs> <laughs> Purdue. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta have it. Um right. they oh my gosh, Leland. Three thirty on ABC.
1: That this week?
0: Come on, Purdue. Go into the shoe, baby. <laughs> Gimme Purdue. That'd be awesome. I do. I want them all to lose. I want I want them all to lose. I can't stand it. But they're not going to let Georgia in. and Cincinnati to
1: be the only undefeated
0: team. I heard them saying, I, I listened to plenty of sports podcasts last week after the rankings came out. And, oh, the only way. Cincinnati needs to hope all these teams have two losses. It doesn't matter. All the teams could two have two losses. losses. Cincinnati two losses. could be undefeated. Uh. It still wouldn't matter. They would still say, well, you know, they barely beat Tulane, so... I mean, yeah, I know Oklahoma also barely beat Tulane, but it just doesn't matter. Well, yeah. Notre Dame beat Navy better than Cincinnati beat Navy. Okay, well, they didn't beat so Cincinnati. They, yeah, but Notre they, back in front. But Notre Dame, you know, it's Notre Dame. I'm like, okay, yeah. then if that's what we're going based on is brand names, then don't even play the games. Don't even have the regular season because it doesn't matter. This is why, Leland, I say if you really want the regular season to matter – you put the conference champions in, and you have two at-larges. Yes, the Conference USA team, most years, awful. The MAC champion this year would be terrible.
1: But, I mean, you keep saying this. It's just, like, they're never going to do it. Like, I don't know why we waste our breath on saying that. Like, they're never going to have a Conference USA champion ahead of the, the
0: third SEC team.
1: They're just never going to do that. So, like, why do we why spend Well, then don't and-
0: tell me the regular season matters, because then it doesn't. We're doing it based on brand names, and that's all we're doing. So don't don't tell these other teams, well, have a good out-of-conference schedule because it doesn't matter. Cincinnati played. They they went into Indiana. They beat Indiana. They went into Notre Dame. They beat Notre Dame. Doesn't matter. These teams, Cincinnati, could play Ohio State and beat Ohio State. Ohio State will never play them because they're cowards, but Cincinnati could go in there and beat them, and they would still, well, you know, you barely beat Tulsa. So we can't put you in because Ohio State has a tougher conference schedule than you. Not Cincinnati's problem. So it, it doesn't matter. And that's, that's the part that aggravates me. I, I wish they would just – I'm glad college football is the only sport in this sense that doesn't have a true playoff. Could you imagine if in Major League Baseball we only took the four best teams – we voted on who we thought the four best teams were, and we put them in. Because then we wouldn't so have Yankees. had we Yankees wouldn't have the World Series champion, yeah. Atlanta Braves. The Washington National story would have never happened. Heck, half the great Super Bowl winners we've had would never happen if we did that in the NFL. The New York Giants beating the New England Patriots would have never happened. That was a sixth seed. Your Steelers wouldn't have as many Two rings. Steelers, yeah,
1: yeah. All right, speaking of the NFL, there's a lot of good games this week. Uh, there's like five ranked-on-ranked ranked games, plus Purdue taking down Ohio State this weekend. So oh, plenty to watch this weekend. Uh, your Vikings got a Tucker field goal to win, so that's the usual, The Ravens. right? Uh, the Steelers are playing right now as we record, and they're giving the football a game away, and Washington was on a bye. Uh, Mac Jones had a Grayson Allen moment, and he's down on the ground kicking and and uh, grabbing at people. So that was fun. I
0: didn't see it. I watched so little NFL this week. It was refreshing. (laughs) That's a way to say it. I kind of don't disagree. Uh,
1: MLB, the Braves did win. We're not going to dig into that. I know we just kind of missed it by a day there. I want to talk about something I'm irritated, that I've been irritated about for years. Other people obviously are too. The The start time of these games. What? The what? The pulpit. I don't care about the bullpen. I. I. We will talk about it, but I don't care. Uh, it's PETA. They say stuff all the time. Who, arm barn. Who's gonna call it the freaking arm? No one's, Like this isn't happening. Uh, I, I get. I get. I get why we call it the injured list now. I understand that. I am not afraid of the male, uh, you know, beef out there. The cows. I'm not. I, that's not. That's not what we're dealing with here. So I'm. I'm done with the arm barn. That's what I had to say about it. Start time of these games. We know the game's long. So let's acknowledge that, and at least on the weekends, particularly Sunday, try to get this game on during hours where some kids could see late-inning baseball. This sport seems so dead set on pleasing 50, 60, 70, 130-year-old men that it doesn't care to – I don't see why they can't just start the Sunday World Series game that they have every single year. They have Friday, Saturday, Sunday, every year. Start the Sunday game at 6. The Super Bowl starts at 6. It ends around 10. It's a four-hour affair because of everything that goes on. Why not? Okay, well, that's the Super Bowl. Well, the week before that, the AFC or NFC Championship, they play one at 3 and one at 6. And the one at 6 ends in the 9-ish hour. What, that works for the biggest sport in America. Why can't that work for Major League Baseball, for one of the World Series games? Start it earlier so kids have a chance of seeing a final pitch of a World Series game. I don't understand it. I don't understand it. I would say Saturday, too, but at least you could argue in you know, all that. Sunday, and look at the sports I just mentioned. I mean, they run the Daytona 500. It's a dying sport too, but they like they want viewers for that. They run that Sunday during the day. Golf is played Sunday during the day. They don't have golf on the West Coast starting at nine o'clock or or start. You know, like they don't have it ending after midnight when it's on the West Coast. Like they have it to where people can watch it on the weekends on Sunday. Like all these sports want viewers. Why doesn't Major League Baseball want viewers and setting themselves up? for future viewers i don't understand it and you're not going to tell me something different i just don't understand it the ad money is still going to be there it's there for the super bowl
0: so golf they can't play it at night is one um two like it's still bright on the west coast like what i'm saying baseball i I, I don't apparently baseball is looking at numbers that really say the I west don't see coast, how ending
1: at 12:15 benefits the West
0: the Coast needs to be driving our TV start time decisions because ending at, 12, 15 on ending east at 12:15 coast on the 12:15 is a bad idea the eastern time zone you know why all the other sports leagues and TV programming is based on what's good for the east coast because that's where most of your eyeballs are major league baseball doesn't get that i don't know I, why but, they don't get it i don't know dude, why people it's on a the hard west coast do not grasp. watch the super bowl Like, it's ending at 7 o'clock. Is that bad for them? Like, what? I'm with you on the Sundays, but I I think they should on Saturdays, too. I think the Saturday and Sundays should be early, like, I guess late afternoon. Yeah, late afternoon, early evening. Yeah. I don't understand why they can't do that. Well, you know, college football. Uh, Well, the NFL. Uh, Sunday football is being played whether you start that game at 7 or 6.
1: You're still you're competing against Saturday night football either way. Yeah,
0: you're competing against college football and Sunday Saturday night too. football either way. So I don't understand that because your game lasts five hours. Like, yeah, it doesn't. I I don't get it. Um, I mean,
1: I think the weeknight pitches should be at seven, but they don't. Okay, but the
0: weekend games. Yeah, just move why? Them up. That's another one. Why? Why do? Why does the game start at eight? Well, you know, it's seven o'clock in Houston. Well. I know like Houston's losing, one of the teams, I don't, but how many eyeballs are in Houston? Who cares? I just don't a bunch of eyeballs are in Houston, but I don't get why any st- of the game at
1: 1215 and the East Coast is, you've lost fewer, like, so many I stayed I up to, to watch
0: zero baseball games. I fell asleep every single time. I couldn't do it. I think I saw the end of, like, uh, maybe two. I couldn't do it.
1: I didn't see the finale. I didn't see the last one. I, I was asleep.
0: No, I fell asleep. I watched the highlights
1: in the morning on Twitter.
0: Major League Baseball's got a problem, but it's, it's the reason they're going to go. They're going to have a lockout. The people in charge are not the smartest people. So, All right. we have
1: anything else to complain about?
0: Yeah, give me time. Let's get to the D-block. Let's go to the D-block complain there.
1: block time. All right. What is dominating your life, Joseph?
0: Well, you alluded to it earlier, but I'll bring it back up here. It's women's basketball. Been doing a lot of research on women's basketball opponents here coming in the upcoming week for VCU and the Rams. And they do start their season on Friday against Middle Tennessee State, a team that has had a lot of success recently. They are a young team this year, but Middle Tennessee State led by Coach Rick Unsell, they have been to 10 NCAA tournaments in his time there, five WNITs. He is actually the 12th winningest NCAA coach oh, wow. at 73.3% of his games. He has brought home a win. He actually went to Middle Tennessee State as well. Uh, but they will be opening up in the Siegel Center against the VCU Rams who are looking to defend their A-10 tournament championship from last year. Going to their second ever tournament appearance in school history. And Coach Beth O'Boyle, second in wins at VCU. uh, Told by the SID tonight that uh, it is unlikely that she gets to the top spot. Um, VCU would probably have to go undefeated uh, and maybe even win into the Final Four for that to happen. Uh, So we won't say impossible. But she's on the way. Unlikely. She's, I mean, she is on the yeah. way. She it is going to. If she wants to stay at VCU, I would imagine she will be doing that. So, uh, at VCU in two to three years. Uh, so, she has been a big turnaround for that program. They had a lot of success last year. They're bringing back most of their roster from last year, and I am excited for this game again. Just in case people want to watch, it is on ESPN Plus at 6 p.m. on Friday. And, they, again, it will be the VCU women's basketball team taking on the Middle Tennessee State Blue Raiders. And I will be doing play-by-play Demetrius Means on color commentary for this season.
1: I'm going to hope to catch it on the playback since we'll be at the uh, Stuart Draft game. But I'm, I'm yes. looking forward for you, guys, for you guys getting on there and, and doing that, and I'm pumped. Mm-hmm. Um. What is dominating my life? Yellowstone is back. I know you watched that as well.
0: I only saw the first episode. I'm partway through the second episode. So no spoilers.
1: Please. Oh, no. Yeah, I'm not going to spoil because I, I know there's plenty of people. I don't want anybody spoiling with me the rest of the time. We watched this week because I just knew the first uh, what I was assuming the first half hour um, would be what got spoiled. So I wanted to make sure I watched that. We ended up getting it all in last night. Um, but it was intense, uh, as you would expect if you guys are caught up with the show. Uh, there's intense moments throughout the series, um, but this was some of the better. I really enjoyed how they put that together um, in this episode. So if you haven't watched Yellowstone, it's Kevin Costner as the patriarch of a family and owning a big ranch out in Wyoming Montana. and um, Montana. That's right. Sorry. And uh, yeah, that makes sense. Um It's good. It's good. I'm not going to say it's the greatest television ever created, and I always liked the space it owned during the summer, kind of being the only network TV show that came on weekly that we caught during the summer. Um, I'm worried about my priority here in the fall with it, but COVID and recording schedules is what pushed it, apparently. So I think it's wise if they could get that back in order, Um, but we'll see. But this guy that's making this show, the Tyler Sheridan, he's behind a bunch of shows coming out right now, uh, with, uh, you know, one set back in 1800s <laughs> on the same land, uh, for this show. And then also, uh, another keen ranch show set down in Texas during modern times. And then, uh, also like a cop, uh, or yeah, I guess, but local, you know, modern day city show that's coming on with, uh, some big names, uh, Kyle Chandler coach from Friday night lights. And, uh, um, that guy that played in the born identity when Jace when Matt Damon went in there. Oh Um,
0: yeah. Yeah. He's in the Marvel movies too.
1: Yeah. So a lot going on there. So I I recommend Yellowstone uh, to try it out. And if you're into it at all, it's, you know, it's interesting TV. It's, it's well-produced television. Uh, I credit the show is that they will throw some twists at you. You do not expect. Uh, And sometimes they really set you up for what you do expect. And it doesn't go that way. I'm not going to say there isn't some predictable things that happen, but there is some twists sometimes that I don't see coming. You know, I'll leave any spoilers out of that. But uh, so that's that's what's up with Yellowstone. I'm excited it's back. Uh, I'm just worried of getting spoiled because I, I just don't see myself on Sunday nights having time for it.
0: Yeah, it's going to be hard to watch those consistently. Um, but yeah, like I said, I watched the very I watched the first hour Then there was episode two that also came out. So I am partway through that. Uh, We'll
1: talk at some point offline about that. But yeah. Not tonight, but sometime. All right. Uh, What I know that you need to know, Quinn Half, he's going to be looking for a new ride coming up. Uh, He was on his two year stint here uh, with his current. um, Starcom racing and uh, now he'll be looking for a new ride. He didn't have a lot of top finishes to kind of build on his resume there he had uh a thirteenth at Talladega and a nineteenth at Talladega um the so, you know big speedways there he did better at um but I'm hopeful that local kid from <laughs> from Weir's cave can get a a good ride going in the future um but we'll see what happens for him uh but just kind of wanted to update that I know we talked about him in the past um uh, but that was the the news for him he he put out a statement and uh So he's looking forward to the future with something different. Uh, You know, I am still trying to still trying to drive and everything, but uh, we'll see what
0: opportunities he's able to get. We will uh, wishing him the best of luck, but that's a hard sport. Uh, It's a hard business. Yeah. That's the business side of it, unfortunately.
1: Um, And he knows that. I mean, we're not saying anything that that guy doesn't know. And I'm sure he's made some great connections in his time around that sport. And uh, I'm sure he'll be around that sport. I just. I'm not, sh- I'm, I, I just, I'm waiting to see what happens before I <laughs> think what's going to happen because I, 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 it's, it's tough. It's tough, tough business.
0: It is. You got to win. Yeah. No, no doubt. Or, you know, and, and perform top well and compete. Yeah, top 10's yeah. usually
2: help. Yep. Um,
0: But what I know that you need to know talking about another show is uh, succession. And, uh, that started on HBO. I watched the uh, season premiere of. <laughs> sorry, the Bears. Yeah, watching watching live
1: sports while <laughs> we record
0: this isn't good for me and your. Friendship. I'm not even watching. I'm just following on the <laughs> phone. Um, but <laughs> the season premiere of that started a few weeks ago. I'm now two or three episodes behind. I think on Succession, but uh, I am such a huge fan of that show. It is a dramedy, I guess. It definitely has dramatic parts. Uh, but there is definitely some comedic uh, lines yeah. and comedic storylines. Seems like a drama these days.
1: I, I this just seems what like what dramas do these days.
0: Yeah, um, definitely HBO. So yeah, definitely don't watch in front of youngins if you have them. But uh, it is it is hilarious. I I've, I find myself laughing a lot at that show. Uh, my brother just started watching it um so cuz sometimes we will watch shows together and he's like oh i haven't seen it yet do you mind restarting and i was like yeah sure and i am doing that um i'm also watching the current season and you know i told him i would wait but then i was like <laughs> um, maybe i won't uh so yeah now he's ahead of me on yellowstone so that's that's his revenge um, there I mean, yeah, but. But, but, but by an 50 episode. Minutes or episode <laughs> yeah by, by like yeah by 30 minutes so <laughs> but um i i highly recommend that show it is it is a really really funny and really really well done show uh that yeah. is about a family as well much like yellowstone but it's about a big city media conglomerate where yellowstone is about a family ranch so
1: and and hard to find people to root for and both factual
0: yeah no yeah. I, I would agree <laughs> i would say in yellowstone like i went to rewatch that and in the very first this i guess has the potential to be a spoiler but if you haven't seen it by now then you're probably not going to see it that first season first episode i had forgotten about his oldest son like yeah. i went back to watch that and he's on screen i'm like who the heck is this guy and then yeah. when he's like oh and they go on the reservation to steal back the cattle or whatever and you're like I was like, oh, now I remember why I don't know who he is. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but um, he doesn't make it in this episode. But uh, yeah, so yeah, because you don't really root for Kevin Costner. Uh, I is, re- I like Casey. I root for the I root for that. I guess, but he's he he got some. He does some stuff. I'm. you watching I, season I mean, one? I did make it yeah. fairly. I think I made it yeah. through season one. There's a lot in season one where you're like, ah, he's not doing this right. Like, so. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he's hard to root for at times. Jamie is, there are times no, you terrible. feel bad for him, and then there are times you're like, dude is scum. Yeah. Yeah, uh, scum. The daughter, same way. Yeah, I don't like her. <sighs> just very few good guys in that um, show, Yellowstone, and even fewer on Succession. I mean, it's yeah. just. Kieran and Culkin was on uh, Saturday Night Live this week. Good for him.
1: I, mean, I don't. He plays, he plays a hole
0: on there. He uh, is. But, yeah, he was on there. Yeah. That, he plays a character that you laugh yeah. because he has a lot of funny lines. But if you were to ever run into him in real life, you'd be like, that guy is yeah. a jerk. But um, it was funny because, like,
1: he was on there. Like, Macaulay Culkin apparently he hosted Saturday Night Live like 30 years ago. And uh, he made his way up to the stage at the end. And he was kind of making fun of himself. Uh, I liked that aspect of it from the clip I saw. Okay. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he's,
0: yeah cool well that will do it for us on this episode of the yak sports podcast make sure you're following us at yak sports pod follow us on facebook yak sports pod or you can email us yaksportspod at gmail.com to interact with us if you're following us on twitter or facebook feel free to comment to anything on here you know i'd be very curious to hear jeff's opinion on what uva should do uh with the quarterback situation going into this notre dame game Uh, not sure how much he can share, but would be very interested in his opinion, Uh, would be very interested on what he thinks their odds are to win the Coastal. It's a wide open division every week. Someone new looks like a favorite. And then the following week they fall flat on their face. So who knows? Uh, But Wake didn't lose an ACC game this week. That's what I I thought. That was
1: interesting that they had a non-conference. But that's not a Coastal
0: team. That's an Atlantic team. But yeah.
1: But they didn't. But it wasn't it wasn't ACC.
0: They'll lose one this week when they play NC State. But yeah.
1: Yeah. Now they will. But they're still undefeated in the ACC is what I thought was interesting.
0: Yeah. The ACC won't have a playoff team now because of it. But that's okay. Yeah. That's
1: what that did. Which they weren't going to put Wake in either. Mm. They're like a hair ahead of. If their decision was (laughs) do we put Wake Forest or Cincinnati in.
0: They 100% would have put Wake Forest in. (laughs) But. um, So tell us. Tell us we're wrong. Tell us why Cincinnati shouldn't be in the playoff. You're entitled to your opinions, but, again, just know they're wrong if you don't think Cincinnati should be in the playoff. Subscribe on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify so you never miss another episode. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode. There was a ton of high school talk, and, again, I want to thank Matt Hatfield for taking time out of his busy schedule with ODU and covering all these high school sports to talk to Leland and I We really appreciate that. And until next week, folks, have a good week and get ready to enjoy some high school football playoffs this weekend. And go Rams.
2: You've been listening to Yak Sports,
0: your Augusta County sports podcast.